podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Good boys and girls, welcome to the Two Podcast. Today is Thursday, the 21st of October, brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider that's a virtual privacy network, which allows you to go online, change your location, access things like American Netflix, while also keeping your data safe. Check out LibertyShield.com, use the code EPLVPN to get 20% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you can find on Etsy. Just download that Etsy app to your phone and crack on. Lots of good merch there. Right, folks. Uh, it is Thursday, which means it's questions day. But very quickly, we'll run through... The Champions League action from last night. Obviously, the big talking point is Manchester United 3, Atalanta 2. United comprehensively played off the pitch in the first half. Atalanta went 2 up with Palace, uh, Pasalic, formerly of Chelsea, and Mary Demerel getting the goals. Demerel was forced off at half-time. That changed the game entirely. United came back into it. Solskjaer threw on a load of attackers, crossed his fingers and hoped for the best. Marcus Rashford... Scored an excellent goal off a great Bruno Fernandes assist to make it 2-1. Harry Maguire, who'd been desperate in the first half, made it 2-2. And a late goal, 81 minutes, Cristiano Ronaldo, his best goal by far since rejoining United. The first that wasn't a goalkeeping error. A great header from a good cross. Gives United the 3-2 win. An undeserved victory. Atalanta had that game to bed and failed to do so. Their defensive fragility, the fact that Martin Darun was forced to play as a centre-back, um, the fact that Palimino isn't very good and Zabacosta isn't very good, all coming to the fore. But they did show there are great weaknesses in that Manchester United team. They cannot track wing-backs to save their lives. We saw the same thing against Leicester. Pereira and Castanier ran amok. Last night it was Zabacosta and Joachim Mal. Uh, you'd shudder to think what it would have been if it had been a full a full strength Atalanta team. But it's a good win for United. It eases some of the pressure off Oli, got the fans chanting his name, brings the feel-good factor ahead of their weekend clash with Liverpool. Uh, Villarreal, four, young boys won in Switzerland. Big win for Villarreal. Jeremy scoring the first. He is a brilliant young prospect. Gerard Moreno, Guy Drinkle's main man, Albi Moreno. And Samuel Chukwesi getting the goal to Villarreal. Uh, Meschak Elliott with the consolation for young boys. Juventus won Zenit St. Petersburg nil in Russia. Uh, Dejan Kulusevski with the only goal on the 86th minute. Finally breaking down 
the Zenith defence, which had, to their credit, stood well uh, throughout the game. Chelsea 4, Malmo 0, Andreas Christensen's first goal for Chelsea. I think that was his 157th game, something along those lines. Jorginho scored two penalties and Kai Havertz with the fourth. Chelsea dominated and battered them. But the big talking point is Romelu Lukaku having to come off. Before the game, Tuchel had mentioned that he was looking tired and maybe might need a rest. Plays him against Malmo. He gets injured. He could be out for a few weeks. Timo Werner, the same, gets injured, could be out for a couple of weeks. The good thing for Chelsea is they've got Norwich and Newcastle next. So games they should win even without those two. They've still got plenty of attacking options. We saw last night they brought on Callum Hudson-Odoi and Kai Havertz. They've also got Hakim Ziyech. Um, so they've got more, they've got Mason Mount back. Now, they've got more than enough in attack. Uh, they should be able to still score goals against teams like Norwich and Newcastle. And defensively, they remain uh, very, very strong. Red Bull Salzburg 3, Wolfsburg 1. Kareem Adeyemi with a goal after three minutes. That kid is phenomenal. Nemchea makes it 1-1 on 15. Noah Okafor on 75 and seven, sorry, 65 and 77. Re- another really impressive young player that they found. Um, he's a Swiss player. Hasn't had much run, but I think he's a player with a big future. I really do. He can play as a winger. He can play through the middle. He's not as highly touted as some others that have been through the Red Bull system, which is a little bit strange. But he is a very, very good player. Uh, lacks a little bit in front of goal. His finishing can be wayward. But the talent is undeniable. And if he figures that out, he'll be a hell of a player. Um, Lille nil, Sevilla nil. A very, 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 very dull game that nobody should ever consider watching. I watched the highlights and almost fell asleep. Barcelona won Dinamo Kiev nil at the new Camp in front of about 14 people. Gerard Piquet with the only goal. As Gerard Piquet has shaved his beard and looks like he's 21 again, maybe this is some sort of regenerative powers that have been discovered at Barcelona as a way to be able to you know, renew the careers of the players they have already because they can't afford to buy new players. Or maybe just a decade being married to Sh- Shakira keeps you good and young. Uh, in the other game in that group, Benfica nil, Bayern Munich 4. This was a fairly even game for 70 minutes. And then Bayern just kind of decided that it was game over. Leroy Sané with an unbelievable free kick on 70. And then between 80 and 84, Bayern scored three more goals. An own goal by Everton Suarez after good work by Serge Gnabry. Robert Lewandowski tapping home on the line. I would say stealing a goal from Leroy Sané. It was going in, but he stole it. Not the best look, but, you know, number nines are number nines. And then Sané making it four with his own second uh, two minutes later. He might be a little bit annoyed he was denied his hat-trick, but I think he'll take two goals. He looks impressive again. Bayern look impressive again. And there's just something about that Bayern team. They are so strong in every single area they're going to be a real force in this season's Champions League in the Europa League we did have Leicester City with an incredible comeback to their credit against Spartak Moscow 
They fell 2-0 back. Uh, Sobolev and Larson with the goals. Patsandaka scored just before half-time to give them a shout. And then Patsandaka went bananas in the second half. He scored on 48, he scored on 54, and he scored on 78 to give himself four goals in the game. Late consolation uh, by Sobolev to get the scoreline back to 4-3. Credit where it's due. Brendan Rodgers managed to turn things around with his half-time talk. But there was good performances in midfield from Tielemans and Madison. Samare looks good. Daka was sensational. Ian Atchew continues to show good form. But Pats and Daka now, five goals and seven appearances for Leicester. Um, six of them real appearances. So five and six. But it's actually five and two. And the game at the weekend, he came on as a sub. So, you know, he, he's finding form quickly. Um, there's no doubting his ability in front of goal. Rodgers will just need to develop the other parts of his game. Uh, to get him into the position where he's going to be a first-choice starter. But it does appear Leicester may well have found that Jamie Vardy's successor. And if Ian Acho and him can continue to play the way they did last night, that is going to be so, so difficult to stop. They were just outstanding. Harvey Barnes didn't even get off the bench last night. Didn't even get off the bench. Madness. Right. Uh, Thursday means questions day before we do that though obviously Newcastle are in talks for a new manager Uh, it does look like Fonseca is edging towards the job but name today Roberto Martinez currently in charge of Belgium has a £2 million buyout and allegedly has interest in the job it has been mentioned for a while he's been looking for a route back into club football It's gone okay with Belgium. It hasn't gone brilliantly. They finished third at the World Cup, but disappointed at the Euros. He obviously won an FA Cup with Wigan, but he did take them down. He started well at Everton, but beyond that, the last two seasons were rough. 42% win percentage. He's not a manager who sets a defence up well, and I don't know that he's necessarily a good manager to have in a relegation scrap, considering what happened at Wigan. But he does get his teams playing attacking football, which does seem to be a prerequisite for these managers. Um, He is well-known. He may be somewhat of a draw for players, given what he's done with Belgium, given the fact that, you know, he's his his reputation sort of outweighs what he's done as a manager. But, you know, still only young at 48. Um... I would still... Fonseca, for me, is just a better manager. I would still lean Fonseca, uh, who I think plays a better brand of football, sets his team up better defensively. Um, they're the same age. They're both 48. So, you know, they're both going to be looking at this as potentially a long-term fixture for themselves. I would go Fonseca, but if they do go with Roberto Martinez, I don't think it's the worst appointment in the world. It's just not what I would have done. But they're the ones with all the money they can do what they want. Uh, We're going to go to questions then. So I've got a bunch of questions coming in. Some through Twitter, some through Discord, and some via text. We'll start off with the Discord questions. So Dell asks, in the Premier League era, who would you say makes into your top five African players? If that's too hard, just do top ten instead. 
Um, Mo is one. Mo Salah is one. Yaya Toure is two. Michael Essien is three. Didier Drogba is four. And Sadio Mane is five. Rounding out a top ten, not necessarily in order. I would have Colo Toure, Loren, Noanku Kanu, who I just I enjoyed watching play. JJ Akacha, who's one of the most entertaining players I've ever laid eyes on. Will Fendidi, who's been tremendous since joining um, Leicester City. Ndidi, Colo, Loren, Kanu, Akacha. There's my 10. There's my 10. Uh, Doff of the cap to Alex Song, who did have that one great season with Arsenal, which fooled Barcelona into buying him. But that would be my top 10. My top five is locked in. It's going to be very, very hard for anyone to, to come into that. Um, there's been some great African players. And the thing is, I do think we're going to see more and more because Africa is producing so many elite talents right now. Um, it, it is scary. Um, Sev999, you mentioned Atletico missing the now Gunnar holding midfielder Thomas Partey. Watching him tonight, the question comes to mind. Why, what, and how? He doesn't look much in the Premier League. Is he Henderson a better number six? Well, Henderson's not a better number six at all. Uh, Henderson's not a better player at all. Thomas Partey is a better player than Jordan Henderson. He's better defensively. He's a better pass of the ball. He's better in the challenge. He's better in the air. Um, Thomas Partey at Arsenal has been partnered with mediocrity. Uh, Thomas Partey needs a real partner in midfield. If you put Jordan Henderson next to Granite Xhaka or Lakonga or asked him to play next to Odegaard, imagine the carnage that would ensue. Your defence would be overrun. Thomas Partey is holding that Arsenal team together from his defensive midfield role. Did he have a bad moment against Crystal Palace? Absolutely. But he's been really good this season. So judging him on one bad moment where Conor Gallagher took the ball off him isn't really a fair thing to do. Um, if we judge Jordan Henderson on single moments, we would deem him one of the worst players any of us have ever seen. Especially when he does those, those clipped crosses. You'd wonder why he's ever allowed to touch the ball. When you see him not tracking a runner, when you see him coughing the ball up as he runs for the corner flag late in the game against Atletico Madrid. If you watched him based on this season you would say Jordan Henderson might be one of the worst five midfielders in the league. So when you watch Thomas Partey for one game and make a judgment, it just doesn't really fill in with what reality is. Uh, KOR99, what's your all-time Champions League era winners 11? Right. Give me two seconds. So, Champions League started in 92-93. Goalkeeper, there's four options. I'd say four options. Manuel Nauer. 2012-2013, arguably the best keeper in the world at that time. Oliver Kahn, 
Bayern Munich, 2000-2001, arguably the best keeper in the world at that time. Peter Schmeichel, Manchester United, 98-99, again, arguably the best keeper in the world at the point. And Alison Becker. Now, Iker Casillas is worth conversation as well, but I don't think Iker was ever the best goalkeeper in the world. I think when Iker was at his best, he was substantially below Gigi Buffon as the best keeper in the world. Buffon hasn't won the Champions League, which is the only reason he's not the answer to this. I would say, of those four, I'll go Manuel Nauer. Nauer 2012-13 is, is what I'll go with. At right back, it's very hard to look beyond Trent. Very, very hard to look beyond Trent um, as your right back. He has redefined the position in many ways. Now, had Zanetti been playing right back in 9-10, I'd go with him based on what he did in his career. You could go Cafu. You know what? It, it's Danny Alves. It has to be Danny Alves, doesn't it? It really does have to be Danny Alves. To be fair, I'll go Danny Alves. He won three. He, he's a sensational player. Danny Alves at right back. Maldini is the left back. There's just no debate over that. Uh, at centre back, Brazy has to be one. And I'm going to go Alessandro Nesta as the other. Doff of the cap to Virgil. Doff of the cap to uh, Yapstam. But I'm going to go Brazy and Nesta. Um, in midfield, I'm going to go with two. I'm going to go with Busquets and Redondo, the two best holding midfielders I've ever seen. I'm going to go with Zidane. And Zidane and hmm. Gerard Gerard as the right sided attacking midfielder, Zidane as the left side attacking midfielder, box midfield. Busquets and Redondo behind them. Messi, obviously, up front. And it has to be Cristiano, even though I do think better strikers have won the Champions League. It has to be Cristiano. He's won five. So I'll go with him. Um, yeah. Nauer, Alves, Nesta, Beresi. It was end of career Beresi, though. You know what? Am I wait? Did he play in that game? He did, didn't he? Maldini played next to him. No, Baresi didn't play in '94 because he was suspended, or was he injured? I think he was injured. I think he got injured and had knee surgery, and then had a second knee operation during the World Cup that summer. Maldini played centre back next to Galli, and Panucci came in at left back. So I'll go Nesta and Van Dijk as my centre-backs. Alves, Nesta, Van Dijk, Maldini. 
the best of luck to trying to score a goal. Um, Busquets and, and Redondo, I'm never giving the ball away and I've got great defensive cover. Gerrard, dynamic, powerful runner from midfield, goal-scoring ability, shooting ability, crossing ability. His crossing to Ronaldo's head, him linking up down the right side with, with Dani Alves. Zidane is Zidane, Zidane. Messi is Messi and Cristiano, largely because he's won five. Um, ahead of any other reason, largely because he's won five. So that, that would be my uh, Champions League winning 11. Um, AMK2889. I heard the other day that the Premier League has never been won by an English manager. Never thought about that, but it's absolutely right. Who do you think will be the first English manager? And who do you think will be the next manager from the UK or Ireland to win the league? What are some other crazy or random facts? I'm not good with random facts. It, it's something that I try not to have in my head because it's already baffled enough. Um, in terms of an English manager who could win the Premier League, I think Graham Potter is the only one. I think he's the only one likely to do it as a UK or Ireland manager. I don't think Rodgers can win a league title. I don't think he's good enough over 38 games to win a league title. I think he'll always fall a little bit short. But I think Graham Potter could. I think he's just a better tactician than Rodgers. A better in-game tactician. Rodgers is good at setting his team up. He coaches his team very well at, in an attacking point of view. But nobody can watch Leicester play and think that they're well coached defensively. Nobody watched his Liverpool teams play or his Celtic teams play or his Swansea teams play and thought they were well coached defensively. It is the Achilles heel of Brendan Rodgers. Brendan Rodgers' idea of coaching his team defensively is to play a back three. And Brendan's not a back three manager. He's a back four manager. He always has been. I think Potter is actually a good defensive manager and his teams play good football and they create high volume, high quality chances. The issue for him at Brighton has been a lack of a goal-scoring nine. I think he'd give Potter the United team. I'm not saying he'd win the league, but I think he'd do better than Oli. I, I think he could go close with one signing. You get him and you allow him to bring, might be an unfortunate name to mention at the moment, but Yves Basima, and I think United could go close. I think they could go close. So I'll say Graham Potter. Um, let's see. DeLangster, for a league that just appears to be filled to the brim with young and ridiculously talented players for reasonable prices, why does league only seem to very rarely get rated by Premier League clubs? I actually don't know. I actually don't know. I think the other leagues, Germany, Spain and Italy, do a much better job at scouting in France. Now, maybe that's because the style of football in France is very different to the style of football in the Premier League. And I think a lot of Premier League clubs do prefer to see, especially the high-end clubs, prefer to see the player perform well in Germany, Spain or France before making that jump. Now, with that said, we have seen Brentford do brilliantly scouting both the top league in France and the second division in France. We've seen Brighton raid France and do very well. Uh, we've seen West Ham bring over players and they've done okay. I think we'll see more and more 
like Leicester have done it with Fafana, with Sumare, and early signs on both very good, obviously. The German clubs just seem to jump on things a lot quicker. And in part, that's because the, the level of the league isn't as high as it is in the Premier League. So the, the step up isn't as big for the player. But I do, I do largely think it does come down to the style of the league. It's quite a, a jarring difference watching a league, a league on game and watching a Premier League game. The physicality just isn't there. There's a lot of really good players and you just wonder, would they be able to cope with the physicality of the Premier League? Obviously, there's a lot that could, but especially with young players who may not, they may not get into the team straight away and they may be reliant on substitution appearances to try and build their minutes and work their way into the team. And when you've been asked to come on into a game that's played at the intensity and pace of a Premier League game, Coming from Ligue 1, I do think that's quite a big ask a lot of time. Um, let's see. Naz, with the, with the way Liverpool are set up on the right side, Trent and Salah would be considered more attacking players compared to Mane and Robbo on the left side. Wouldn't it make more sense that the left side be more defensive and the right side more expansive? Why is it so lopsided? I think in part it's because we break down the left side. We tend to get quite open down the left side when we counterattack. So when Robbo overlaps Mane, it does create quite a big gap in behind. And that's why we want that left-sided eight to be able to shuffle across and fill space, block a passing lane, track a runner, whatever it is. On the right side, Trent doesn't really go beyond Mo all that often. Trent's not a big overlapper. He underlaps a bit more, but he tends to play almost as a right-sided midfielder himself. Doesn't really commit to getting too far forward which means that the right-sided midfielder can push that bit further on. I also think when we see what Fabinho does, Fabinho is more comfortable going to the right side of the pitch than he is going to the left side of the pitch. So with the attacking eight, Fabinho just shuffles across. He's obviously been a right-back at times in his career as well. He's just more comfortable in that right-sided space. I think it is by design because we build down the right, we, we break down the left, and we do commit more men down the left into high position from fullback and, and winger. Trent fills that right-sided space, so we're only really committing. Like when Liverpool have possession, it often looks like 3-3-4, where you'll get, sorry, Two, three. Sorry. When Liverpool have possession, Robbo goes high on the left, Henderson goes high on the right, and they're your kind of wide players. And then you get your front three almost in between them. Trent steps into midfield with Fab and whoever, be it Ginny last season, Thiago, Naby, Milner, whoever. And then your two centre backs are there. 
or Fabinho drops a bit deeper in between the centre-backs and you go 3-2-5. Otherwise, it is a 2-3-5. So I just think for balance, it works a bit better that way. Maybe if the right attacking left-sided midfielder became available, things would change. But for now, I just think it's down to design. We do build down that side a bit more. We want to create more space for Mo and Trent as playmakers, hence having Henderson make overlapping dummy runs that he's never going to get the ball. And if he does, he's just going to give it back. But what he's doing is he's drawing a defender somewhere where the defender doesn't want to be and creating a 1v1 or just an extra yard of space for Mo or for Trent. With Mane and Robbo, they've got that blinding pace to just go beyond. Mo can do it as well, but it's not what you want him doing. You want Mo cutting back inside a bit more. You want Trent getting the ball more central. With Robbo, you want him getting the ball wide. And, and I think if you put an attacking eight there who was making those runs, it would nullify a lot of what Andy Robertson does. Um, Tom James, do you think Anthony could be an alternative option to Rafinha for the Reds? Do you think he would be a better or worse fit? I really like Anthony. I don't think he has Rafinha's work rate. Now, he's still very young and it can be developed. Rafinha is ready now to walk in and start for Liverpool. Anthony would take probably a year or two of development to get to being good enough and ready enough to be a starter. He's super talented, though, and I would very much like to see him make that move. He is excellent. Uh, Jay Reid, what do you make of Kareem Adeyemi? Is he coming off the same conveyor belt? As Haaland, and how do you see his next move? Where does he go, and how does he progress in the next three years? I think he ends up going to Germany. I think he could go to Bayern, and they'll develop him as the successor to Lewandowski. At the moment, like right now, he looks like he's going to be a world beater, but it is very easy to get wrapped up in a good run of form. And for now, it is just a good run of form. He was he was good last year, but he wasn't he wasn't pulling up trees. Last year he scored nine goals in thirty eight games. Now, admittedly, he was only eighteen, but he still only scored nine goals. This season he's got twelve and seventeen. This season he has been spectacular in the Champions League and domestically, but I do want to see him over the course of a full season. My expectation is he goes to Bayern. He could go to Dortmund to replace Haaland. I know that there's been links to Liverpool and I, I think he'd make sense in a lot of ways. But it's it's always difficult to get those players to look beyond Bayern. And he was born in Munich. He was in the Bayern Academy for a couple of years. He does have links to the club, to the area. I don't know that he's a, a Bayern fan or anything like that, but it is always hard to get German players to overlook Bayern. In the same way, it's hard to get Spanish players to overlook Barca and Real. They just they grow up with it, they dream of it, and it, it tends to be where they want to go. Uh, next question. Rick M., Oh, I love this one. Is If Kanchelskis and Kinkladze were in their prime now, what PL teams would suit them the best? 
Oh, I love this. They, they are two of my favourite early years Premier League players. Andre Kinchelskis. I mean, when I was growing up, the Soviet Union, there was always this cloud over it, obviously. And then he was kind of the first Russian player to come to England and, and really make a name for himself. And when they had him on the right wing and Giggs on the left wing, United were just electric. And he, he was so good. His, he simplified his game so much. Like, he didn't try and do anything he couldn't do. But he could beat players for fun. He had lightning pace. He was a really good finisher. He picked the ball up on the right side. He'd either knock it past the fullback and, and look to get his cross in. Or he'd drive at the, the space between the fullback and centre-back. And then shift the ball very simply onto his right foot and lash a shot into the far uh, far corner. Very, very simple game. So effective. It was a surprise when he left United that they were willing to move him on. But I think contract negotiations had become a bit of an issue. But Kinchelskis was excellent. Who would he fit? Um, I think Leicester's best shape is 4-1-4-1. With Pereira right back, Justin left back, Evans and Sionchu, or Evans and Pereira, or Pereira and Sionchu, whatever way you want to look at it. And Didi, Barnes on the wing, on the left wing, Madison and Thielemans as the centre midfielders, Vardy up front, or Orianacho or Dak, or whatever. I think they lack a right winger. I think Kinchelskis would be explosive in that team. Um, other teams that he'd fit, he would fit Liverpool. Without question. Uh, I think he could play on the left for Liverpool in that Mane role. Mane reminds me quite a bit of Kinchelskis. Um, similar type of game. Mane's a better goal scorer. Kinchelskis was maybe a better dribbler. But that explosiveness, that... It, there was just that, that fight in them. That willingness to battle with absolutely everybody. Uh, he could play at City on the right side of their three, I think, you know, doing what Sterling did. I think I think he could get a lot of goals as an inside forward in the modern game with his pace and his finishing. I think Leicester's probably the best fit for him for, for what he was, which was an out-and-out winger in a four. I think Leicester would be a good fit. Leeds maybe, but they have Rafinha on the right, so you'd have to play Kachalskis on the left. And in a four, I don't know how well he'd do that wide. He'd, he'd be fine. He'd do well. Um, but I, I, I think Leicester on the right would be a great fit for him. I really do. Uh, Georgie Kinkladze. Now, this is... This guy scored still, to me, the best goal the Premier League has... The best individual goal the Premier League has seen. A little wizard, but very much... Great on the ball, awful off the ball kind of guy. Um, sometimes forgot he had teammates. Now, in part, that's because some of the teammates he had just weren't very good. Um, I think you'd want him either as a 10 or in a 4-2-3-1, you'd play him off the right. There's little bits of Harvey Elliott on the ball that remind me of Kinkladze, but Harvey's better off the ball. Um, but the similar type of build, similar type of dribbling, similar level of passing. 
Um, Everton in the 4-2-3-1 coming off the right-hand side could work. Leicester, again, coming off the right-hand side, cutting in, leaving the channel for Pereira. Um, Brighton maybe is one of the two behind the striker. Brighton could be the best fit as one of the two. If they're playing that 3-4-2-1, then Brighton as one of the two behind the striker. Just as for fit. I think that's... Or, or even Chelsea in the same shape. Um, I don't know that he's good enough off the ball for Tuchel, though. Uh, King Cla I loved King Kladze. I, I will go and watch King Kladze compilations for hours. He's such a good player on the ball. Hor horrible off the ball. Horrible. But great on it. Um, YNWA Foodie. In your opinion, who are the next five young superstars in global football? And what clubs do you think they'll end up with? Oh, um, well, Pedri and Ansu Fati are, are absolutely two. See, I think Greenwood is one as well, because what are we looking at? Under 20? I think Greenwood, Fati, Pedri, um, Jude Bellingham, and Kamavinga are probably the five. If we're taking out the ones that are always talked about, then I will say Kamaldine Suleimana of Rennes. I think he could end up at Liverpool. I think he's got everything Klopp would want in a Mane like, successor. I also love Jeremy Doku there. Jeremy Doku, I think if you could simplify his game and play him on the right, I think he could just be phenomenal. He said himself last year he wasn't used to playing on the right, so he struggled a bit there. I think that's a coaching thing. I think if he gets better coaching, he could be phenomenal. Uh, with Suleimana at Ren, I think he's going to have to play on the right unless they play Suleimana as a 10. Uh, so I'll say both of them because I do love watching both. I'll say Adeyemi. Um, the, the kid at Dortmund, Musoko, is that his name? Josef Musoko, the young kid, like 16, 17, already played for the German 21s. See, I, I could name Florian Wirtz, but he's a bit too obvious. I could name Harvey Elliott, but he's a bit too obvious. And they're already at great clubs where I think they'll probably end up sticking around. Uh, no, he hasn't played for the 21s yet. He's definitely played for the 17s, though. What is his name? Is It, it is Yusuf Masufa, isn't it? Oh, Makoku. Yusofa Makoku. I haven't seen enough, but everything you hear about him and the bits I have seen, he does look scary good. He has played for the 21s. At 16, he's got three goals in two games at 21 level. Um, I'll leave him out there because I haven't seen enough. I'll go Adiemi, Yeremi of Villarreal. I don't think he gets enough hype. Suleimana, Doku, Noni Mudeki. 
I love him. I do. I love him. I think he's going to be so, so good. Um, you could say Jamal Musiala either, but I think Noni Modeki is just such a talented player. I think the Premier League club that brings him back to England is going to get an absolute star. If I was Arsenal, I'd go all out to get him. All out to get him. And I'd pair him with Smith Rowe and Saka as a three behind my striker and have them together for a decade and watch them develop. I think Noni's going to be a big-time goal-scoring 10. So you play Saka off one side and Smith Rowe off the other. They can all play each of the three positions. I know they have Odegaard. That's fine. You're giving me four for those three positions. I've still then got Pepe. I've still got Martinelli. I've still got Reese Nelson. I've got loads of options. If I was Arsenal, I'd go all in on trying to bring him back to England. If I was Spurs, I'd be all over it, though. He was, he was at their academy for years. Now, whether or not he'd want to go back, I don't know. Um, but Spurs lost out massively there. Massively. Any club that signs him up is getting, I think, a star. So I'll go Noni as my fifth. That'll do it for those. Um, as for where they all end up, Adiemi, I'll say Bayern. Sulemana, I'll say Liverpool. Doku, I will say potentially Barcelona. And there's something to be said for him on one side and Ansu Fati on the other of a front three. Um, Noni, I think he, I think he could go back to Tottenham. I, I could be completely wrong. And Jeremy, I think, ends up at Real Madrid or Barcelona. I think he's that good. Um, Isaac Gilding, you're allowed to swap five players from Liverpool with one of each of the big six. Who's going? Who are you taking and why? Do these have to be starters or can I swap like Divock Origi for Kevin De Bruyne? Can I do that? If I'm taking in, if, if we say that it's it's starting 11, okay, we'll, we'll go with that premise that it is starting 11. I'm absolutely keeping Alisson, Virgil, Trent, Fabinho, Thiago and Salah. That's what I'm keeping. They're the six that I'm keeping. So I have to swap five, which is Matip, Robertson, Henderson, Firmino, and Mane. I will swap Firmino to United for Mason Greenwood. I'll swap. Mane to Spurs for Hyung Min Son. Henderson to Manchester City. I'll take either of De Bruyne or Bernardo Silva. Whichever one you want to give me, Pep, I will take. I'll swap Matip. Neither Arsenal nor Chelsea have a centre. Do you know what? I, I'll swap Mane for Bakayo Saka. 
Robertson for Chilwell and Matip for Romero from Spurs. So I end up with Alisson, Trent, Romero, Virgil, Chilwell, who I'm not mad about, but I think he's the... Is he the best of a bad bunch? I think he's the best of a bad bunch. See, you you could take Romelu Lukaku and go Kieran Tierney as the left back. And Tierney's better than Chilwell. But at the same time, Lukaku is a weird fit for Liverpool. I'll take Chilwell and I'll keep Saka. So I've got Alisson, Trent, Romero, Virgil, Chilwell, De Bruyne or Bernardo, whichever Pep wants. Uh, preferably Bernardo. Gets through more work. He's a bit younger as well. A little bit more resilient, a little bit less injury prone. Uh, Fabinho, Thiago, Salah, Greenwood and Saka. And I think I'd be pretty happy. I do. I think I'd be pretty happy with that. Um, I will do this for other teams, though. I'll do this on... I'll do this on Friday, tomorrow, because we've done the prediction show. We Myself and Guy did a tad predictable yesterday. So tomorrow I'll do this for United City, Chelsea, Arsenal and Spurs and see what we can come up with there. Um, that's fun. Thank you, Isaac. That's a good one. Uh, Owen Hurley. Might be a bit late, with, but... With regards to what you said about a backup for Trent last week, a midfielder's mentality, but can also defend. The first name that was in my mind is Emery Chan. See, I if if Emery had a bit more pace, he'd be the ideal squad player to bring back midfield as an eight, a six, right back or centre back. He can play pretty much everywhere, um, but he does lack that little bit of pace, that little bit of foot speed at right back and. With due respect, his turning circle is about that of a you know an oil an oil tanker. Um. So yeah, and and a nineteen to twenty year old Emre Chan is what you're looking for. Someone who's grown up as a midfielder but could be converted to right back the way Trent was, uh, the way Josh Kimmich was. Now, those two alone speak to this the success of doing something like this, but it's obviously very difficult. Um, I think if you could have got Tom Davies from Everton younger, you could do it with him. He's got all the right attributes. He just hasn't developed. Connor Gallagher's another. If you got him younger, uh, maybe you could have done it with him. Ollie Skip could potentially do it. Hmm. I'd need to think about that. There's a few... Even someone like uh, Conrad Lehmer from from Leipzig, he actually would be the perfect one. Or, or Benjamin Henrik from the same club. They're both midfielders who got converted. Um Limer's been converted back, but he does play a lot of right back and a lot of right wing back for the national team as well. He would be ideal because he can play as a six, as an eight, or as a right back. Henrik's got converted as a kid from midfield to right back. He's really talented. It's 
just his development hit a wall when he moved to Monaco. He made the wrong move. Monaco were a little bit of a train wreck at the time. Yuri Tielemans failed there around the same time, if you remember. Um, he'd actually probably be my first choice because I think you could get him out of Leipzig, where he is now, fairly cheap, 10, 12 million. I think if you can get him on form back to his best, I think he's a 25 million pound player. I really do. He's so good on the ball. He's decent defensively. He's got areas he needs to improve. He might, what is he, 23 now? 24. Be 25 in January. He'd probably be my first choice, just as somebody who I already know can play in boat roles. Conrad Lamer, I love, but he's actually younger than Hendricks. Scrap that. Conrad Lamer is the one. Go and get him. He'll play right back and do a really good job, but he'll also be great in the midfield rotation. Get him. He's not 19-20, but he's 24, and he's an absolute pressing machine. I think Dan Kenneth told me before he had the best pressing numbers of anyone in Europe. Um, Chris Colby, Ben Foster is available at, on a free at the end of the season. Would you consider him on a free for a year or two? I absolutely would. I absolutely would. Would he consider making the move? I don't know. If he wants to win some silverware, he might. If he wants to add some medals, he very much might do that. Um, as things stand, he won two League Cups with Manchester United. Uh, a Football League trophy with Wrexham. And the playoffs with Watford. And the Football League Cup with Birmingham. He does have United ties, obviously. He was there three years. But he's been everywhere. Stoke, Bristol City, Tiverton Town, Stafford Rangers, Kidderminster Harriers, Wrexham, United, Watford, Birmingham, West Brom, and now Watford. <coughs> Excuse me, I have a frog in my throat. I, I would. I would bring him in. Even as your third choice keeper. Good for the quota. Very experienced, good changing room presence, good on the training ground. Why wouldn't you? I absolutely would bring him in, without a doubt. He is 38. Why not? Give him a two-year deal. He's still in great shape. He's still fairly agile. We saw some of the saves he made last weekend. Yeah, I'd consider that for sure. Um, that's the last of the Discord questions. Uh, we've got a couple more coming in. Okay, right. Let me just. I had one sent in to me earlier this week. Um, to sign one player from each Premier League club for Newcastle. I will do that tomorrow as well. Um, and maybe they'll have a new manager for me to talk about too. Uh, right, this fresh question is from Gautam LFC. Based on cost and quality, is Joel Matip Liverpool's best ever Bosman transfer? Would you would be interested to hear who you think are the best Bosmans in PL history? Um, based on quality, I still think Marcus Babel is the best because he was world class. But Joel Matip is is now is now number one for me. 
overall. Uh, people will say James Milner. Joe Matip had a bigger part in our success than James Milner. In my view, he also earned half the wages that Milner did. So from a cost point of view, substantially better. Um, I would go Matip 1, Babel 2, McAllister 3, Milner 4, and Yari Lippmann in 5 from a Liverpool point of view. Uh, as for overall Premier League, Saul Campbell is undoubtedly number one. He became one of the best defenders in the world and Arsenal signed him for free. I think Gus Poyet, number two, came in from Real Saragossa, largely unknown, and was outstanding for Chelsea uh, and also scored one of the best goals I've ever seen. Uh, number three, JJ Akacha. I just love JJ Akacha. I... I could watch JJ Kotcher videos all day long. Just guy played with joy. No no care for anything else. Just sheer joy in his game. Um, then I would go Matip. And then I'd go Marcus Babel. I, I still think Marcus Babel, after Saul Campbell, is the best player to move on a free within the Premier League. Oh, Michael Ballack is a tremendous shout guy. An absolutely outstanding shout. And I'll put Michael Ballack number two. Behind Poyet, ahead of Poyet, behind Campbell. Marcus, Michael ba- Balak was oh, what a player. Both feet, 6 2, 6 3, dominant in midfield, could pick any pass, could shoot from range on both feet. Michael Balak was sensational. It's a shame he didn't come to England a couple of years earlier. I think he was 30 or 31. When he moved to um, moved to Chelsea, da, 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 da. he was thirty when he joined Chelsea. He was just about to turn thirty. He'd been at Bayern. He was great for them. He was at Leverkusen. He was great for them. That Leverkusen team to got that got to like two or three finals. He was part of both. Oh, it was they finished second in the league, lost the Champions League final. And then he lost the World Cup final all in the one year. I think he was suspended for the World Cup final, though. I could be wrong. But um, Michael Ballack, what a player. Um, I think in terms of players who've left the Premier League on a free, Steve McManaman is the best. Steve McManaman was world-class for Liverpool. He was the best player in the league for a couple of seasons. He was Liverpool's only real hope. And when he went to Real Madrid, it was an absolute gut punch. He won two Champions Leagues there. I still think Saul Campbell is the best player to ever move on a free, though. And I will take no shifting on that. But behind him, uh, Balak, McManaman on the way out. And then the rest. Michael, uh, Marcus Babel, for those who didn't see him, world-class defender. A defensive right-back could also play centre-back in a two or a three. Flawless defensively. Great in the air. Brilliant 1v1. Good pace. Comfortable on the ball, well-schooled through Bayern Munich, joined Liverpool, was a massively key component in the treble year from right back. Babel, Henshaw, Hippia and Carragher um, as the back four, four centre-backs, really. Um, but Babel was was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. He got Guillain-Barra syndrome, I think that's the name of it. Um, it sounds like Guillain-Balaga, but I... He got ill and uh, he was never the same again. It, it basically ended his career for all intents and purposes. But he was he was ridiculously good. 
Um, but yeah, to answer the initial question, Matip is the number one free transfer for Liverpool, given what he's won, given the cost, um, low wages for the first three years he was at the club, new contract obviously in 2019. He's still not a massive money. He's still earning about 60 grand a week less than James Milner, despite being substantially better than James Milner. Um, two questions here. <laughs> Mikhail Campbell, uh, in your list of the greatest penalty kick takers you've ta- you've seen, where would you rank Mario Balotelli? He's he's got to be top five, surely. Now he's missed a few in recent years as his career has gone down the toilet, but up until he left Nice, I think he'd only missed like two in his whole career. Just a great penalty taker. You can take him or leave him with the rest, but as a penalty taker, there's no doubt. Um, the, I think Letizia is the best I've seen. He missed one of 48. Jan Molby would have to be in this discussion as well. He was unbelievable. Um, I think I'd go Letizia as the best. Molby second. I, I think I'd go Balotelli third. I'm, I'm not really... Nobody else is popping out in my mind as a great penalty taker ahead of those three. So that's what I'll go with. Uh, Stephen Smith, you've just been appointed Newcastle Sporting Director and after seeing off Bruce, you have a plan to take the new manager for a three-year plan. The next window, you'll bring in two players with a further value of further four in the summer. Players cannot be valued higher than £50 as per FFP. Um, The manager pick is yours. You can even bring back Joe Kinnear. To celebrate with your new manager, you order four dishes from your Local Indian, what would they be? I always get the Barani. Um, boring, potentially, but I always get Barani. Uh, there's a place close to me, there's a mixed Barani with chicken and lamb, and it is phenomenal. Uh, so I would go with it. Um, oh, God. There's one that I really like. I think it's... Yeah, Sagalu. I, I really like that. I do really like that. Um, so I'll go with that. I like samosas. Can I have them? And I do like a nice naan. I like a kima naan. So I think I'd go Barani, kima naan, Sagalu. Is, is it Sagalu that I like? Or is it the other one? There's two different potato dishes, isn't there? Two different... Indi- well, there's probably loads. Um, oh, I love Bombay potatoes. I'll take them instead. You're, if you're Irish, you have to have potatoes with every meal. It's just the rule. So I'll take Bombay potatoes with my uh, birani, so lots of carbs, um, and a keema naan as well. And then... I'd go chicken pakoras maybe even over the um, over the the samosas. I'm not very um, it, Indian food scares me. Is the truth of it? I many years ago went to a restaurant with some friends, wasn't paying attention to what was going on, and someone ordered for me. 
I trusted them. I was given a vindaloo and I was unholy unwell for a couple of days. So um, I'm kind of scared of, of a lot of Indian food. So I tend to go with what I know and what I like. Uh, I'm a little bit boring when it comes to things like that. So um, as for as for the the manager I would go for, um, if I know I'm building for three years, a three-year minimum, I think I might go Graham Potter. The one I would have gone for is Gerardo Sione, who's at Leverkusen. I don't think he's gettable. I think Graham Potter would be the one I'd go for. As a young manager who's got a very detailed approach in what he wants and how his team is going to play, I think I would go Graham Potter. I also think he's excellent at getting the best out of players. When you see him put out a midfield two of Lalana and Gross, neither of whom could tackle a good dinner and not get overrun, you know he's doing something right. So I can have two players in January and four in the summer, which means I have to keep five of the current Newcastle team. So let's have a let's have a wee look at what we're going to keep. The goalkeeping situation I'm fine with, so I don't need to buy a goalkeeper. I think between Dubravka, Darlow and Woodman, I'm going to get away with my goalkeeping situation. I think I'm not just get away with it, but I think be be pretty decent in that area. So keeper's fine. He, he plays a back three. I'm going to go with what he currently plays. Jamal Lewis is absolutely fine as a left wing back. So no need to go there. I think Lachelle's as the middle one in a three is okay. In central midfield, I mean, I don't think their central midfield group is bad. I just don't think they've been well coached. I look at Isaac Hayden, I like. I think he's a really good ball winner. Joe Willock, I like. Really good off the ball. Box-to-box player, can get goals. Sean Longstaff can sit in the midfield and control the game. He's got a good range of passing and he can get his shot away. Matty Longstaff is a ball of energy. Shelby's a good player. He's not the not great, but he's a decent player. He's got good positional sense. He's good good on the ball. I don't think I need to buy a central midfielder yet. Obviously, longer term, it's something that we'd look at. But for now, I'd go with Hayden and Willock as my two central midfielders. And I think you get away with that. And then in attack, I'll keep St. Maximum. I've also got Wilson, who's fine, and Almiron, who's fine. So I can go with that as my front three. Almiron and St. Maximum behind Wilson in that four, uh, 3-4-2-1 uh, system. So my first two signings, I, I want a centre-back and either a centre-back or a right-back. I can play Jacob Murphy 
as my right back, my right wing back, I should say, in the short term. So I think I'd go with Murphy there. Which leaves me wanting two centre-backs. Now, one of the names that's been linked is Jamal, is, um, Jamal is James Tarkovsky, who I do like, but I don't think he works in a back three, un unless he's in the middle role. And because I'm only allowed to sign six, in the first two windows. I've kind of got to keep Lachelle's. He's the best centre-back that they have. Fernandez is too inconsistent for me. Lachelle's is still only 27. I still think he can be improved on. And he would be part of the first phase. In my second summer, he's out the way. But I'm going to buy two centre-backs to go either side of him who can raise the level and give me Give me what I need at the back. Give me solidity. Give me good distribution of the ball. Uh, give me the ability to cover in behind the, the, the fullbacks who will play as wingbacks and be very advanced. The first name is Maxence Lacroix of Wolfsburg. Um, mentioned him in the summer for a couple of clubs. Really, really like what he offers. 6-3, good pace, good on the ball, aggressive centre-back. I'll take Lacroix as one. Um, and I think you'd probably get him for in and around 30 million. Right footed centre back. So he is in there. Uh, then I want a left sided one. And I like balance. So I want a left footed centre back. Um. He's not the quickest, but he's very good on the ball. He can play in a three. And he's a really good defender. I'm going to go Sven Botman from Lille. And again, I think you're looking at around 30 million for him. So there are my two January signings. I think you get the pair of them for... 60 million max for Botman and Lachelles. So I've got Dubravka, Lacroix, Lachelles, Botman, Murphy, Hayden, Willock, Lewis, St. Maximum and Almiron behind Wilson. In my second summer, I'm allowed four more signings. In, in the summer, I'm allowed four more signings. So I could actually replace Lachelle's here. I want a right wing back. I'm going to go Max Ahrens. No doubt. Reunite him and Lewis on the left. I'm going to move Botman into the central role of the three. And I'm actually going to replace Lachelle's here. Um, and who I'm going to replace them with is Lisandro Martinez, the Argentine centre-back at Ajax. Really good defender, really aggressive, good on the ball, 
can also play in midfield. The only downside with him is he's 5'10". But in a back three, I don't think it's as much of an issue. And he's comfortable playing left back. So I can flip that to go with a back four and just let Lewis move into midfield as three across. He can also step into midfield. So if I want to move from the back three, or or, sorry, if, if Graham Potter wants to move from the back three to a back four and three in midfield, Martinez can step out and be an extra holding midfielder. And then I just revert to a back four. Um, I think Martinez probably costs about 20 million. Um, I'll keep Hayden and Willock in midfield. I've got decent depth there. It's not an area I'm I'm mad to go and spend a big load of money on while I'm still trying to stabilise and build a team. So in my front three then, I've got St. Maximum and I'm buying two more. I'm buying Kamaldeen Suleimana, who I think, as I said earlier, I think he's one of the best young players in Europe. If I have to pay forty million for him, I pay forty million for him. I think he will be a goal machine. And as a nine, does fifty million get me Ivan Tony? I think it probably does. So I'll go and I'll bring Ivan Tony back to Newcastle where he was before. And what I end up with then uh, with my six signings is Dubravka, Lacroix, Botman, Martinez, Aarons and Lewis as my wing backs, Hayden and Willock as my central midfield, St. Maximin, Tony and Suleimana as my attack. You gave me a budget of 300 million across the two windows, 50 million per player. Uh, we come in at 60, 85, 105, 155, 195. We come on 100 million under budget, over 100 million, 105 million under the budget that you set. And that's my team. And then the following summer, I go and I address the midfield. Um, because in 2023, I think Jude Bellingham is available. And I go and throw all the money at Borussia Dortmund and all the money at Jude Bellingham. And I bring him in and build the midfield around him. And I've got 105 million left over that you've given me that I haven't spent. And I would spend every penny of it to bring Jude Bellingham in. And I will find a player to go next to him. See, what I would also do is I would look at the Bosman market. And Bubakar Kamara is on, is, is on a free next summer. So on top of these players that you're giving me to buy, I'd also sign him. And he's my new holding midfielder. He's replacing Hayden. And then I bring Bellingham in the following summer. And I've got Dubravka, who obviously is a step below the rest. Lacroix, Botman, Martinez, I think they're all going to develop into really good players. Aaron's, Kamara, Bellingham, Lewis, St. Maximum, Tony, Sulemana. It may not win the league. I think it can get top four as it develops together because I have big faith in all three of those centre-backs, in both the wing-backs, in my two new centre midfielders that I've also sneakily added over 
by adding a year and signing a Bosman player and in my front three. I'm happy enough. Um, that's it for today. Sorry, we are late coming out today. Uh, other podcasts just got in the way. So uh, that's why we are the hour late today. But uh, thank you for your patience. And I will see you all tomorrow. Take care. Podcast Network.